Hi, and welcome to episode 329 of No Crying in Baseball, the so much unanimous episode. My name is Patty, and I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. <laughs> hey there. I, I love it when we all get along. When we, when we all vote together. thing. That's great. That makes me feel very peaceful. You know, I, I appreciate and, it. You know, you say that now. Right. You might not agree when I get to all the things that are oh, unanimous. Shit. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't There's want to burst always... your bubble so early. Before we get there, you're okay. You're, okay? you're good? You're not, nothing, nothing big you need to share? I'm pretty you're good. Right? Well, I, I'm sure that all of our beloved listeners are hanging on the edge of their seats to find out where Mr. Potty Mouth and I actually went for his birthday because last I said, I was bummed that we couldn't go see Getty Lee. And I, I like apologized for that all night. And, and of course, Mr. Potty Mouth, being the wonderful, kind person he is, was like, it's not a big fucking deal out but anyway we went to see brett goldstein who was um roy kent on ted lasso oh yes and he was at constitution hall and so it was um, doing doing what like just scowling uh <laughs> yes i'm saying fuck a lot um and another word that i know you don't like so i'm not gonna say it out loud but i appreciate your, yeah. your restraint but apparently it's like much more com- common in england anyway oh. he, he was um oh. he was doing stand-up at, at, at constitution hall which is where my kid graduated from high school, and actually most places in the county, except for where your kid went because it's so big, graduate at Constitution Hall. So for my entire 20, I don't know, whatever many years that I've been teaching, um, I've been going there for high school graduations. And then I went there to see like a very foul-mouthed comedian and got whiskey. Like, And they don't sell that at high school graduation. Yeah, but you have flasks. So, I mean... Yeah, you, and, and those are, we have to wear robes too, you know. You, that would be an easy way to shit. conceal a flask. Right. I'm just saying. Why did I never think of that? And I bet there's plenty of swearing at, at commencement. <laughs> Not from the right. stage. Right, in the stands. Not from the stage, In yeah. the stands. So okay. that's what we did. And it was... Was it, he funny? It was, he was very funny. Okay, good. It was, it was really fun. I would highly recommend if you get to go see him go see brett goldstein excellent wow that's great i am recovering from our neighborhood turkey fry which is our sort of our our annual near thanksgiving block party thing where we have two deep fryers going and five <laughs> turkeys consecutively in one and then oh every God. side dish you can imagine it's like a state fair come to the neighborhood and the other one and i am a fry daddy with, with a z at the end and i almost <laughs> had a gender conversation with one of the fry daddies daddies who was there who said are you allowed to be a fry daddy huh shouldn't you be a fry mama and i'm like mm, no we're all fry daddies here and i just kind of moved on and poured myself another glass of sangria which was very delicious and not at all deep fried and that's how i got my fruit to balance with all of the deep fried vegetables that makes a lot of sense my question is was the fry daddy's father a fry granddaddy he was not. So he hadn't earned his apron like I had. Oh, okay. So yeah, no, I've, I've been a Fry Daddy for years. And, you know, as as one of the reasons, you know, I, I qualify is that the deep fryer, in fact, did burst into flames briefly, and I didn't even flinch. And I was pretty close by. <laughs> and I still have my wow. eyebrows because I know how to handle that kind of situation. So, <laughs> so that's all good. I want to say hi to the neighbors who were there. We've got some new neighbors in the neighborhood who were very, you know, that's a nice way to get welcomed. It's like, oh, look, we build community here in, in our town. Everyone's welcome even if you don't live on our block um so that was pretty exciting and i hope everybody who was there went home and had a lipitor cocktail to (laughs) help like ease the arteries after a long hard day of deep fried food so does that mean that you can go if you're like within smelling distance like if somebody that's the whole damn town all right yeah (laughs) so maybe not yeah yeah no i mean yeah we we welcome everybody we welcome everybody and you know lots of people bring things to to like throw in the deep fryer or 
to, you know, a beverage just to share. And every once in a while, people bring things that don't get fried, which is just silly. And then, <laughs> then I realized, oh, wait, no. At, at the beginning of the day, we have to wait until the oil heats up. Oh. So it was nice having some, like, finger food that was nice. not waiting for the deep fryer so we didn't get hangry. Wow. Because you don't want hangry people no. staffing the flames. That's de- definitely terrifying. And I'm really hoping that you're, like, you know, setting off a, a now – duplicate thing happening all over the country that or, or all over the world maybe there will be now fry daddies thanks to your everywhere. suggestion everywhere so, um, so we have these fry daddies aprons and i was thinking for next year we need to add like name like p- badges like you would for bowling shirts or like, like the guys that work at the mechanics place and then we thought of it so we shouldn't have our real names you know we should come up with nicknames oh yes like you know with the deep fry like like lefty and stumpy and you know, <laughs> things like that but so i'm not sure what's going to happen next year but i think i'm going to take that on oh my god On today's show, we've got the awards season wrap-up featuring rookies and MVPs and managers. And we've got new managers all over the place. Our hot stove features Urias moving towns. We've got non-tenders. We've got Yamamoto coming from Japan. We've got women's baseball weekends. We've got Acuna and Venezuelan ball already. Didn't waste any time there. Ace to Vegas. We've got new rules again. And the All-Star Game to Atlanta again. Cheers. Cheers. Looking good there. I love that shirt. Hey, what are we drinking? We we just we oh. just knocked off our pre beer. That was the was the the hoppy heifer. Yeah, it was another one of those silly yak beers. The silly yak <laughs> beers. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that was delicious. We're about to pour something else. What are we What are we gonna have right we now? We are going to have a festive elder pine, uh, cerveza viejo especial Mexican style lager blend. Limited offering, so get there as soon as you can. Okay, well, I would like you to offer me some right now Here while I while I talk to you about rookie of the year. So, yeah, so last week was, like, all the big awards, right? You know, lots of awards say, oh, who's the best rookie? Who's the best whatever? But these are the ones that when people say, you are manager of the year, you are MVP, these are the ones they are talking about. This is the Baseball Writers Association voting on these. Weirdly, the Washington Post say, says we don't allow our, our writers to vote for that. Really? Really. There was no Did they adher- say why? No, there was oh. no why. I'm guessing it was to make sure there's no favoritism in how they write, maybe. But that was just kind of a throwaway line. Hmm. So, hey, look at us go with the Rookie of the Year. The entire season, we've been all in for Gunnar and Corbin, and we were right. And it was, of course, it was a low bar. I mean, mm. we, we weren't the only ones that were right. You know, right about that. But it was still pretty exciting. So for Gunnar, he's the first Orioles position player since Cal Ripken Jr. And his award was announced by Cal Ripken Jr., which was really, really? pretty great. Gunnar, Gunnar led all rookies with 28 home runs. He led Baltimore with an OPS of 814. And he was second to Adley in in wins above replacement. And defense is sexy, right? Like, he, you don't really talk about this so much with these awards but he said I feel like people kind of had an idea what I could do at the plate but I guess they kind of didn't really know about my defense I was glad to get out there and show I could play major league shortstop and third base so our pal Corbin who we also guessed he got announced by Derek Jeter you want to tell us a little bit about Corbin sure so speaking of predictions so we did predict all sorts of stuff um at the beginning of the season and we've already I think talked about our divisional stuff and we won't bore you with the ones that we got wrong, but yeah. actually, you're the only one now that I look at it who got both rookie of the year, rookies of the year. I rookie, thought didn't rookies you, have, of the, you didn't have both. I I just had Corbin Carroll. You didn't have. Gunner. I did not have Gunner. Oh I had um, Masataki Yoshida because oh. I thought who came in. Did he come in second? I, I, 
I don't remember now. Yeah, I I totally forget second place people or or below. See, that's which yeah, is that's, terrible. that's the first loser, right? Yeah. Wow, you're harsh. Oh, it's awful. Go that ahead, tell us about Corbin. That, okay, so Corbin Carroll. Uh, it, not only did we both pick for Rookie of the Year, but I also picked him as my D backs baseball boyfriend. So I feel like especially connected to him, and he is the first Rookie of the Year from the D backs organization. And they're so, 25 years old, so that's pretty good. Wow, they they're beyond legal drinking age. Um, and also he's the first rookie ever in MLB with thir- 25, 25, 25 homers and 50 stolen bases in his rookie year. Yeah, Corbin's Not super bad. fast, man. So he was also an all-star this year. He he yeah. totaled 54 stolen bases. His OPS was, OPS was 868, which is pretty good. He, he led the National League with 10 triples. Wow. And that 25 home runs was second only to Gunner. Um, oh, that's and, pretty cool. Right, and... If you remember when the the CBA was being negotiated, the players wanted to create incentives for teams to not mess with service time, mm-hmm. right? They you have you have good rookies, bring them the hell up. Don't push them out till later and later and later. So one of the incentives was if you bring these guys up right away and they win, they oh. win rookie of the year, you get awarded, you get rewards. And so both Baltimore and Arizona are going to get first round picks like the, at the end of the first round picks because they brought up Gunner and Corbin that as those guys won Rookie of the Year. That is amazing. What a, what a cool thing to reward yeah. somebody for good behavior. So, I mean, so, yeah, and, and it's, this is great because they're, you know, they're rewarding the team management yep. for deciding to, like, not screw around with these guys and just bring them up <laughs> so when they good. can. So wow. MVP, all boyfriends, all the time, right? So Acuna and Otani were both unanimous. Uh, okay, so also I, I said the Corbin and Gunner were both unanimous votes, oh, I believe. No. So that was, that was a big deal. So they were voted in. They got all 30 first place votes. Oh, here's us all getting along thing. This is lovely. Right. So Acuna and Otani both got all the first place votes. Um, Shoei Otani got the unanimous nod for the second time. That's crazy. Uh, this is the first time both winners at the same time were unanimous. Which they, they, people before, like this winner was unanimous and, you know, maybe the other league another year. But this time both were unanimous. Wow. For the National League, uh, Mookie Betts w- got all the second place votes. He won in 2018. And uh, mm-hmm. Freddie Freeman got third place. He won in 2020. Not so those bad. are all boyfriends. And in the American League, uh, Corey Seager was second and Marcus Simeon was third. And those are both boyfriends. Also, so all boyfriends all the time. We know most valuable players when we see them. Didn't shit. What did Marcus Simeon just win? He won Heart, Heart and Hustle. He won Heart and Hustle. Wait, did I just jump the gun? Were you going to talk no, about that? No, I, was, I, am, I okay. forgot to talk about that, but Heart and Hustle is one of those uh, boyfriend awards, and he is, in fact, a, a former boyfriend of mine um, with the Rangers. So I'm pretty excited about Marcus Simeon winning that one. That's one of those awards that you get for your. your, your on, on field performance and uh-huh. also how you are, your character, your off field behavior, your. Um, your, your philanthropy, your yeah. uh, being a good role model, all of those things. So we're pre- I'm pretty excited about that. Super good thing. So um, for, for MVP prediction, actually, I'm the only one who did Otani. You were um, going out there for, for Adley at that time. Very understandable. And I don't know. He did amazing. Um, and for Acuna, he's just to, to add to that, he's the third Venezuelan to get MVP after Miguel Cabrera and Jose Altuve. And Miguel Cabrera, to sort of recognize that, has a little um, mini uh, tweet, 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 whatever, X video, just yeah. one of the yeah, little online video with what looks like a little league team. And so he's dressed up, they're dressed up 
it looks like dressed he's dressed up like in suits or like, like in uniforms. Like, like in uniforms, okay. sorry. Just checking. In uniforms, in, in those outfits. Um baseball outfits. God, but they look again. I know, I know. But they look they look pretty cute. But it looks like he has something to do with the team. And I was looking in Venezuelan press and I couldn't find anything about his connection to these kids. Because I'm fascinated. Like, what's he doing? Hanging out with a group of little leaguers. That would be super cool. Anyway, he he has them behind him. And so he's a giant group photo bomb. I can't. <laughs> or he just like, you know, borrowed some kids for like to make good PR. Um, but mostly it's him talking to uh, Acuna saying, you know, you're representing Venezuela. And, uh, and he kind of swears. And so at, this is a word that... I think it depends on what country you're from as to how you interpret it. But carajo is like, um, especially Peru and Ecuador, It I don't think it's a swear. It's sort of like, damn it. I mean, I guess damn it is a swear. I guess it's the it's level of damn swear. it. It's yeah. a level of damn it. Yeah. So the he said. <laughs> on a scale of damn it to damn it all the hell. Right. Well, I don't know. I think it's like on the scale of like gosh to motherfucker or something like that. Then then damn it is right in the middle gotta somewhere. Gotta check the damn yeah. box. <laughs> I know. Hate checking that box. So um, he said, pusiste el nombre de Venezuela bien alto carajo. Felicitaciones. So he, you put the name of Venezuela up high. Damn it. Congratulations. And then all the little kids behind him go, felicidades, which is like, congratulations. So they're right there. So it can't be a bad word, right? I don't know. Or, anyway. Wow. Yeah, I hope <laughs> next time i got to rethink the whole mm-hmm. Mickey situation. All right. Oh. Hey, manager of the year really made me pretty happy this year. Yeah. Surprising no one. So for the American League, uh, the Orioles, Brandon Hyde won. He came in second to Tito last year. Fangraph at the beginning of the season predicted that the O's were going to go 82 and 80. They went 101 and 61 Holy and ended up shit. the AL East champions. So yay, Brandon Hyde. Yeah. Interestingly, he's not going to get this award next year because the manager of the year is usually somebody who exceeds expectations. And now the expectations have been driven way the heck up. He got 27 of the 31st place votes. Three, The other three went to um, Bruce Bochy. Uh, oh. He is the ninth manager to win who never played major league ball himself. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of rare, right? He says... During those rebuilding years, I had confidence we were going to turn this thing around, but you struggled to see the light at the end of the tunnel, honestly, to come as far as we have. It's a lot of homegrown guys and guys we've developed mm-hmm. at the big league level. You feel good about that. For the National League, it went to the Marlins Skip Shoemaker, who, of course, was hired by Kim Eng, who no longer works for the Marlins. He is a first-year manager. He is the eighth manager to win manager of the year in their rookie year. He is. A, he brought Miami to their first playoffs in 20 years, right? He's. It's. He was. A, his. This race was super close, right? Craig Council and um, Brian Snicker were all really close. It was. It was. Yeah. It was by a sliver. He says, "I think mm. we set a new standard in that clubhouse, and now it's time to protect that standard." I just felt like the culture kind of changed, and they knew what winning looked like. Credit to my incredible staff. Just wondering how much of that. That credit and that um, that culture goes to Kim Ng. Yeah, that's sort of like makes me nervous because she left for a reason, right? right. Yeah. So, yep. yep. All right. So out with the old and with the new, I guess. There, what management jobs go fast? Is that? I mean, is this normal? I'm thinking it makes sense because you want somebody in the gra- you know, ready to go yeah. right now to deal with all the winter stuff and be ready to come in in the spring. I kind of believe that a lot of teams know who they mm. want and lay some groundwork. They just may not be acting on it yeah. until, you know, they can, which is when the season 
is over. But I think they've all thought long and hard about what they want. They've had some conversations with people. That's a good point. But a lot yeah, of but these you, are not surprises. <laughs> yeah, but but you are right. They they need to get these folks yeah. in place because you want your manager in place before you start making real trades right. and and you know and and bidding on on free agents and and, and negotiating arbitration. You want to know what you need and you want your manager's input for that. Yeah. So that totally makes sense because. Um, the first one was October 25th when the Giants got Bob Melvin from the Padres. And that makes sense because they're the ones who got got rid of um, Kapler. So they knew the change was coming, right? right. Probably before he did. Definitely before he did. Um, and then the Guardians was uh, November 10th. And that was Tito that everybody knew was leaving. Like, when did he announce? It's been a while. Hasn't yeah, it? When they, it was during Not the season. Not a shocker. They, you know, they celebrated him right. during the season. All right. So that's Stephen Vogt, right? And then last, so last week, week you talked about vote. I don't know if we talked that much about Melvin, but you know he's coming from the Padres. He's a known quantity. Um, and then on the thirteenth, Astros Joe got Joe Espada in after you know we we talked about being super sad, Dusty leaving, but well deserved retirement. And the Cubs little um, you know sneak behind and get Craig Council from the Brewers. Uh, so that position was. Pretty much of a surprise, I would think. I don't know. How much did the Cubs talk to the Brewers before? <laughs> like, how much? I don't. I mean, I, I, they, I think they have to get permission mm-hmm. to interview. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't know because that was such a secret to everyone. It was the biggest surprise in baseball, I think, for going into the postseason. Yep, yep. Go back to last uh, week to hear, to hear Patty explain that in a little bit better detail. Um, so that happened, I think, right before recording because you talked about it last week. And then... The 14th, the Mets hired Carlos Mendoza. I'm going to talk about him a little bit more in a minute. The 15th, the Angels got Ron Washington. And the 16th, the Brewers. So this is the one that I was kind of like, wow, that's fast. You know, they just last, let, lost um, counsel a couple of weeks ago and they've hired Pat Murphy. So that means there is one job as of the time of recording anyway, one job left up there. And that is with the Padres. So I, I think don't David know. Ross is available. Yeah, that... <laughs> It would be nice to send him to San Diego. Sure. He could use some fun in the sun. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. So quickly, the, the Brewers got this guy, Pat Murphy, who is a very known quantity. He's almost 65 years old, but he's been the bench coach for the past eight years. And for he, the Brewers. Uh, for the Brewers, yeah. right. So he's, it's, I think, especially you talking about, you know, the the shock and, and Brewers' reaction last week with, with losing counsel. That they want somebody who's going to keep this ship steady because the ship had been going pretty well under council. And so they want to keep somebody that's been working with them. And it just kind of made a lot of sense. He's been there for eight years. They, they love him. He, they say that he's 95% comedian. I saw a lot of really cute stories from Yelich and, and other players just talking about um, how he does a really good job of lightening things up, but serious when he needs to be. He immediately named Ricky Weeks as assistant manager and... I noted the name there, like calling him the system manager instead of bench coach when it's pretty much the same job, is kind of elevating that position and making it look a lot more like partnership. And I'm wondering, Ricky Weeks um, played with the Brewers for 11 years, you know, beloved. And just to, to sort of like cushion that blow of getting counsel is what I'm thinking. Like, you get me and you get this guy too, and we're going to be working as a team. And there's a lot of energy and an excitement about it and, like, connection and fidelity to the Brewers organization. So I'm hoping that that's a positive. Like, after yeah. they've been through that, I mean, that must have sucked for Brewers fans. So I'm hoping that oh, they sure. can, like, yeah. you know, take a breath and be like, all right. And I totally appreciate Ricky Weeks. One of the first things he had to do was to um, apologize for his opening statement because he said, let's fucking go. 
So he's, that was you know, a public statement. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was like a little bit of reaction. Like you got the job. What's gonna? It was in you know a, a statement, and he said, "And let's fucking go." I mean, I, I get that. Yeah. You remember when um, Peter Alonso said that to a classroom when he was on, on Zoom <laughs> in a classroom? Yeah. So okay. oh my god, that was a long that was time a long ago. time ago. <sighs> Good thing we have notes. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> I, I say that to go back every week. Good thing we have notes. Right. So. The Angels have hired Ron Washington, who I had um, a blackout, memory blackout from. Like, I totally missed remembering, stopped remembering, even though it was familiar when I looked at it, this sort of um, problematic uh, way that he left the Rangers. So I, what I fondly remember him as is just the most recent love that he gets from the Atlanta organization right. and the players. And we've talked about that before. Like, I can't remember what player it was. You were talking about him, like, going out there and rolling ground balls to him, like, just being very active out on yeah. the field with yeah. his coaching. Um, Ozzy Albies uh, said he was like a dad to me. So that's a hard loss for, for Atlanta. He's been a third-base coach there since uh, 2016. So he's now going to be – Writing the ship at the Angels, their fifth manager since 2018. Yeah, they've been running through folks. Holy shit. They that's, cannot keep anybody. And that's with Trout and Otani. Like, that whole time is with Trout and Otani. And yet they can't make anything happen, up. even with Trout and Otani. There's got to be. If, that, if they've had that many managers, something something else is wrong. Yeah, it's, it's at a different level. Yeah. So um, Eric Young Sr. is leaving first base coach with Atlanta to be first base coach with Washington. So I started looking into Washington a little bit, and I knew that he was a manager for the Rangers for a long time. He was there from 07 to 14 with two AL West titles in that time and had a couple of big scandals while he was there. The first one was getting busted for doing coke in 09, and uh I guess Nolan Ryan was president of, I don't know, the board or whatever. And there was an exchange of his. Of the team? Like the, the yeah, huh? yeah. Of his um, incredible disappointment. And he took it really seriously. And he had drug tests after that time. And he didn't have another problem. But it's just. And, you know, I appreciate somebody who is able to come past that. Um, he resigned in September of 2014, before the end of the series. And when he first resigned, the season. The season yeah. Thank you, thank you. Uh, when he first resigned, it, he said it was because of personal reasons. And then there was an accusation of sexual assault of a reporter by a blogger who's named Jamie Kelly. And all I could see was other people referring to her report. Nobody else sort of digging into it and finding the evidence on their own. And I saw people um, sort of verifying that she was a reliable source, that she had worked, I think, previous, I don't know, for Fox. That's not any sort of <laughs> reliable, um, like you know. sports, I think, that's is different true. than I hope so. Fox News. Yeah. You always reassure me with that. <laughs> I really, I really hope so. So I don't know exactly how that ended up. But uh, right after that came out, he had a very emotional press conference with his wife by his side where he said that he had... Uh, broken her trust so I don't think unfaithful ever came out of his mouth but that's how it was definitely reported and everything and that he needed some time and so he took some time um, and ended up going back with the A's for 2015 the, the next year so did come back into baseball the next year he had coached with the A's for 11 years before the Rangers so that was a familiar organization and sort of an easy way to go back because I think when he came out he had no comment about right. going back or what was going to happen. 
So that all said, I feel a teeny bit guilty for dredging up old shit when maybe he's gotten past this. You know, he seems to have done um, uh, an amazing job in Atlanta. He has great, rep- uh, great relationships with the players. I just feel like any, especially any incident of accused sexual assault, like sort of needs to be mentioned. I don't know. Yeah, was this? I can't remember when um, MLB's policy went into effect. This might be before that. Wow. So that would explain why we don't know of other investigations that were done. Yeah. Might be before the policy. I don't know. You know. I don't know him personally, um, you know, so I'm putting it out there. If anybody has more information that you can send me, I would super appreciate it because I was not, you know, paying a lot of attention to the Rangers in those days. Um, what I do appreciate is Dusty Baker's statement. So the Athletic had an article where they mainly quoted Dusty. He didn't um, refer to any of this specifically. Like, I mean, I guess how do you? But but he did say that he and um, – and Washington had played together as on the yeah. on the Dodgers. And Dusty was like a big brother to him and sort of like getting him used to major league and the culture and both of them being African-American players. So super big deal. And losing Dusty, you had talked about, was is huge because all that's left is Dave Roberts for an African-American coach. So this kind of balanced things out. And Dusty said, and I quote, when I heard the news, I said, hallelujah. We're in a world where people talk about forgiveness and they talk a big game about second chances. Well, God is good. It reinforces my belief. I think he's one of the best baseball minds there is out there. So I appreciate Dusty and, you know. I do like the second chances. I mean, if if all the evidence points to, yeah, I'm not like that anymore. Mm -hmm. I have I have done the work. Right. To not do those things anymore, I'm I'm all for it. I want to embrace that. That's great. That's great news. And and thinking about it that way, it's sort of a good model for others that come down the road. Yeah. You know, like to to invest in um, su- support groups or whatever is needed to get somebody to rehabilitate people yeah, from whatever that whatever that thing is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. Um, last guy, I'm going to talk about the Mets job. Um, big. 180, I think, from losing Buck Walter, who, you know, beloved to baby Lindor, <laughs> Lindor's little kid. Right. Um, so, but still like a very old school kind of guy. And now they're getting Carlos Mendoza, 43 years old. It's his first management job. He's been with the Yankees. So he knows yeah. the New York market yeah. is the thing. And he knows it from a much more intense side as well, because there's a lot of talk about how this is his first gig and he's so young. But he feels like he's kind of gotten his sea legs in um, being in the Yankees, uh, both in MLB level, but he was also in uh, the minors with them for a few years. So he has experience beyond New York as well. He coached in uh, Venezuelan baseball, and he was the World the World Baseball Classic bench coach. Brian Cashman <laughs> refers to him, and this is what I was trying to get to before. Cashman from the Yankees, man, general manager. Called him a Swiss Army knife, yeah. sort of meaning that he can adapt to any situation. He's got all these tools. And you talked about him being bilingual and bicultural and all of those things. And when Aaron Boone was on medical leave in March of 21, he actually steered the ship. So he does know what it's like to be a manager in New York City. Um, his wife is a dentist or was a dentist. And she had to give up her career 
to come here because she was a dentist in Venezuela with Venezuelan credentials. And she was pregnant when he, I think, got his first manager job here in the Yankees um, organization or coaching job in the Yankees organization. And they brought her over to be with him to have the baby. So baby, automatic U.S. citizen. But at that point, the Yankees um, said to her, like, this is for, we want him for the long run. You, we can get a lawyer. We can get you to stay. You just can't go back to Venezuela for a year, and you can't, you know, dentist. You have practice, to kind of yeah. start over. And so she did that. She gave everything up. She stayed. She gave up her practice there. And so for him to thank her and his kids, super appreciative. He's also, I think, and so I was trying to find like list of Venezuelan coaches or list of Venezuelan managers in MLB, and I couldn't find it. Somebody else, maybe you can do the Google better than me. But I think that he's the third Venezuelan ma- manager after Ozzy Yen, of course, with the White Sox, very, you know, spirited individual, Ozzy. And Alfredo Ped- um, Pedrique, who I had not heard about before, he was a one-year manager with the Diamondbacks in 04, and his biggest claim to fame as manager was deciding to walk Barry Bonds for an entire fucking weekend in September because he was about to hit his 700th home run and he wouldn't want it done in his ballpark. Even if everybody was buying those tickets to go there and watch Barry Bonds hit his 700. Wow. Right. He is just going to walk. I believe also, and this is my own attempt at research, that he is the only non-United States born manager currently because the other Hispanic managers, the only two who are not born in the continental United States in the upper 50 are um, Alex Cora and aforementioned now Joe Espada from the Astros. Also, um, U.S. born Hispanic managers include um, Davey Martinez from the Nationals, whose parents are Puerto Rican, but he was born in the U.S., Pedro Grifal for the White Sox, whose parents are Cuban, and Oliver Marmol from the Cardinals, whose parents are from the Dominican Republic, but they were all born here. So um, Carlos Mendoza fills a very interesting little niche there, and I'm looking forward to, um, to seeing him go with the Mets. Wow. All right. All right. So hot stove, hot stove. When we first started the podcast, our we had this Otani watch going on because, like, remember? Because remember, wow, Otani was like the big news. He was this this superstar coming over from Japan. Well, we've got a new superstar, not a two way player, so not quite as newsy as Otani was, but still a pretty pretty big deal. So um, Yoshinabu Yamamoto is a twenty five year old starting pitcher. He will be posted on Monday. So the, so the day before you hear this, okay, we're recording on Sunday. You'll hear this on Tuesday. So Monday, uh, he'll be posted. He has been with the Oryx Buffaloes in the Japanese league since 2017. His record is 70 and 29. Wow. His record for the past season is 16 and 6 with a 1.21 ERA and 169 strikeouts and 164 innings. So once he gets posted on Monday, the clock starts Tuesday for 45 days for Major League Baseball for the various teams mm. to negotiate with him. So we will keep you updated as to who's going to pony up the money. If you remember when we kind of talked about who the top 10 free agents are, the most newsworthy, the people who are mm-hmm. most likely to, to make the biggest splash, get the biggest contracts. He was very high on that list, which was unusual because he doesn't currently play yeah. for Major League Baseball. So that was a big deal. We have 
more than 60 new free agents as of this past Friday. Wow. Friday was the non-tender deadline. That affects arbitration eligible players. Arbitration eligible players are those players who have at least three years, but not yet six years of major league baseball service time and aren't currently covered by an active contract, right? There are a few people who have two years of service time. They're called super twos. If they're in the top (laughs) 22%, yeah, top 22% of service time among all the players who have between two and three years of service. So it's not like a date cutoff. It's who is the pool of players who have between two and three years of service. (laughs) The top 22% become the super twos and they get, they become arbitration eligible, which is kind of cool because they get an earlier shot at making more than the league minimum than having to wait until they get to that third year. So teams decide who they're going to offer the contracts to among that group. for, And they can balance that however they want to balance that. And offering the contract means that they, they've tendered a contract. Mm-hmm. So the non-tender deadline says if you were not offered a contract and you fill in the fit in this category, you become a free agent. If you have been tendered a contract, that doesn't mean that contract's a done deal. You have until January 12th to finalize the details. It's like, hey, potty mouth, I want you to be on my team. I'm offering you a contract for a year or two years or whatever. Details to come. Okay. As opposed to, hi, potty mouth, it's been great. (laughs) See ya. All right. So on January 12th, that's when either the deals are finalized on those contracts for people who have been tendered contracts or okay. that thing that happens where each each side writes that number on a piece of paper and slides it across the table to the other one, which is that arbitration figure, and you see how far apart you are. And if you have to go to arbitration to figure out what number is the one that gets picked. A lot of times arbitration eligible players are non-tendered because the team may say, ooh, they're going to get a lot of money in arbitration because they had a fantastic season and we're not going to be able to afford that. So we're going to we're going to tell them we're going to let them be free agents because wow. we're not going to be able to afford what arbitration is going to come back with. So economic decision mm-hmm. most of the time. More than 60 players were non-tendered but not all the teams are represented on that list. Oh, Many teams uh, like the the Orioles for instance and there are several of teams actually who kept Everybody, they tendered contracts. The contracts aren't necessarily a done deal, but they have tendered contracts to all of their players. Okay. But 60, a little more than 60 players overall have been non-tendered. So the, the free agent pool just got way bigger. Wow. I feel like the Super 2s need, they need like a cape or a trophy. Like I'm a Super 2. I just like that. That's a great name. Sure. Let's do that. They need something. Maybe a new outfit? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I have one little spark in the hot stove that I was looking at, and that would be Luis Urias, who I was super excited when he went to the Red Sox midseason last year, even though it was for everybody else, it was a little bit of a deadline fizzle for the Red Sox. Um, He did sort of mediocre with them, but he made my day when I went all by myself to the ballpark the day after we watched together the Red Sox lose, and I was like, damn it, I'm going to go back. Even though it's the middle of the day, no one can go with me. I'm going to have a solo experience at the ballpark and watch my Red Sox win all by myself. And they did not. They got clobbered. But amidst that clobbering, Luis Urias got a grand slam. And so it wasn't a drudging. It was just a, a clobbering, and I really appreciated that. No worries. And then two days later, he got a another grand slam, another That's grand right. slam off of Garrett Cole, nonetheless. So, of course, you know, soft spot for Luis Urias. 
but he's going to the Mariners, lovely team, and the Red Sox, in exchange, are getting a right-handed reliever, Isaiah Campbell. And the good thing about this is that the world thinks that Craig Breslow is a fucking genius because nobody in in Boston land knows about Isaiah Campbell, including me. And so now they're seeing like good numbers for a reliever and they think, look at Breslow going in there trying to find that hidden gem and doing some work already. And it's, you know, it's giving him some cred. So I don't know how big of a deal this is, but it's it's good to win the hearts and minds of the Bostonians. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Because you people are scary when you're mad. Yeah, luckily they have the Bruins and the Celtics to distract them. That's making Dad very happy. I'm not mentioning that that football situation because that's not happy. I I want Bob to be happy for sure. (laughs) Yep. The other unanimous vote. Oh, my God. This one was not at all unexpected, but still ticks me off. I might need more beer, too. Mm. I don't know. At the uh, at the owners' meeting, which happened this past week, the owners voted unanimously to approve the move from the Oakland A's to Las Vegas. The owner of the A's, who maybe only 29 other people like, and those would be the other owners, said <laughs> the following, Today is an incredibly difficult day for Oakland A's fans. It's a great day for Las Vegas. Wow, read the freaking room. Well, oh I guess he was God. reading the room. He had the room of the people who voted for him because... They are all in the same boat. It's like, we have to protect ourselves. We are owners. We need to, you know. Anyway, here are the things that are still standing in the way of the of the Oakland A's move <laughs> oh to Vegas. There are a few things that are between hiccup level and this might not work. <laughs> all right. So State of Nevada said we have $380 million in public funding for this stadium, which is going to be the smallest stadium in Major League Baseball. It's going to be a 33,000 seat stadium, wow. which is the smallest one. It's not a sure thing because there are two reasons. One is there's a pack called Schools Over Stadiums, which is trying to get a referendum on the ballot next November to get the public to vote on this public funding as opposed to just designating $380 million wow. related to that. The teachers union is filing a suit about the legality of using public funding for the stadium instead of, hey, our state education system needs the help and you're giving all this money to the state, you know, to a publicly funded stadium. So there's a lawsuit there. So there's a couple of angles that may cut out this funding that looked like it was a sure thing. Go teachers. I love seeing teachers union being active in this. That's awesome. Between now and then, the then being the stadium that is going to be built, should they uh-huh. get all this funding, it's not going to be ready till the 2028 season. <laughs> the Oakland Coliseum lease ends at the end of this coming season, the 2024 yeah. season. So where are the A's oh my going to play? They could play at their AAA stadium, which is in Sacramento. They could stay at the Coliseum. The mayor of Oakland's like, sure, here's what you're going to give us. If you if you want to stay Good. playing in the stadium, and one of the things is we want to retain the rights to the name Oakland A's and the branding. Good. You can if you leave, you cannot take that with you because we're basically leaving the door open for an expansion team. If you're taking our players away, we want to bring other baseball to Oakland, and we want them to be the Oakland A's, and we want this this logo, this branding. 
the um, Fisher's like, hell no, we are uh, taking our name and our branding because because the athlete, name athletics has traveled around with them from you know they they have been in like maybe four, I think four different cities over the course of time they've been in Oakland since 1968 but they've been in a lot of places mm-hmm. before that and the name athletics has traveled with them but they haven't met this mayor yet so I'm wow. all for that also a lot of the stability the fan base is really depending on tourism. Mm-hmm. It's not depending on the people in Las Vegas all all of a sudden getting behind this team. So Las Vegas got an expansion hockey team. They got the Golden Knights. The the Oakland Raiders, well the Raiders, you know, moved a couple places, right? And then became the Las Vegas Raiders. And now um uh, the NBA is looking at Vegas as a possible place huh. for an expansion team so this is it so vegas is kind of being looked at a new sports place but there just aren't that many people and really are they all are enough of them going to be baseball fans so they really are dependent on tourism so for instance the the golden knights a recent stanley cup winners past couple of years are still only 12th in attendance the raiders were last place in fans per game last season but both of them are leading their leagues in revenue because las really? vegas las vegas is charging Las Vegas show prices. Wow. You know, people go to Las Vegas and pay $300 to see Adele or whatever, you know, whatever it is. They're paying that level of ticket prices to go to, to go to, I saw our interns here. Welcome to our intern. Our intern's helping with tech support. Sorry. So, yes, they may be bringing in the revenue, but they're doing it because they're charging ridiculous prices and they're depending on tourism to do it. Back to Oakland, the fans haven't given up yet either. Good. So they, of course, the um, the last dive bar organization, which is their <laughs> the, the the fan organizing group. I'm big. I'm a big fan of these fans. They're already planning a boycott of opening day at the Oakland Coliseum with a big tailgate party in the parking lot, but not going inside to watch baseball because wow. you know screw John Fisher. Wow. So that's the unanimous that was not at all unexpected, but still not great. Man, man, wear those cell shirts. Holy shit. I just like the whole thing just boggles my mind. And with it being the smallest stadium, I know. Is it just because they don't have space in Vegas? Like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, they're building on the old Tropicana site. So, you know, there's going to be a downtown on the strip. Thing which I, which is a great place if you're gonna build a stadium, great incorporate it with like your current you know entertainment with Tropic system. Tropicana site. Yeah, that's the, the Tropicana Casino. Oh they, they have, wow! Yeah, they've got. Don't you listen to the podcast? I, I've n- talked about this. The, the literal Tropicana Casino name. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yep. I kind of sometimes do twice, <laughs> but I don't remember the name of the. I'm casino. feeling the love. I am feeling uh, the love. All right. Um, oops, I'm going to go south for a moment and yeah, talk about... Yeah, we've been about, going south for a little bit. <laughs> got to keep going south. Good thing we have new beer. Yeah. With this, we've had a couple of big weekends for women's baseball. Uh, last weekend, yes, last weekend, so while we last recorded, was the Breakthrough Series. And I didn't know it was going on, but I wasn't paying enough attention. And we've talked about it each year, and I couldn't figure out how many years we've been talking about it, but I think it's been like our whole time. Uh, It's the top 30, and this is such a cool thing. The top 30 high school baseball players who are girls um, spent last weekend at the Jackie Robinson Complex in Florida. And what's changed this year, as opposed to the other times I've talked about it, is the coaching is getting more and more 
women who work in baseball because there are more women who work in baseball. So I feel like we kind of got in on the ground floor of really following something super exciting because I remember talking about the baseball series, breakthrough series for the past several years. But this time the coaching staff includes two players from the women's national team. And I'm going to probably butcher her name again, Alex Hugo and Meg Medlinger. And Meg's been on for years and years and she's still going to be on for the baseball world cup next year. Veronica Alvarez you know, importantly, the women's national team manager, but also, you know, a, a ceiling breaker, whatever you call it, trailblazer, yeah. those things <laughs> with the A's. And now she's the coordinator for the for Latin American development for the A's. Ronnie Gajownik, the first woman who to manage a high A team in the Hillsborough Hops is there. Rachel Folden, who we've talked about, Cubs minor league hitting coach. And Amanda Kamakona, who I, I think you mentioned um, this when when she was hired as the Guardians minor league hitting coach not too long ago. Yeah, all of them working together with the top thirty girls playing baseball in the country. So it's super That's exciting fantastic. for what the the future is going to bring. At the same time, there is an organization called the uh, shit. There's All American Women's Baseball Classic is the classic, but oh, American Girls Baseball, and eh, which is. Not not a favorite name of mine, but it's because they're affiliated with the AAGPL, the All-American Girls Professional League that ex- actually existed, you know, women playing professional baseball um, World War II time. Three of the former AAGPL players founded this new organization. So this tracks. And we've talked about Suzepe before and her work with this and Janine Lesko and Tony Palmero. So there's this weekend a year. This is the second year that they've done it, that they're having... Women play in teams that had the same names as the teams in the AG, uh, P- GPL. Yeah, many letters for me to remember at this point. The Peaches, you know, the Bells, the Blue Sox, and the Comets, even though I spelled it wrong. Um, so I'm not sure which team won by now. It was sort of a, a what do you call those, kind of just a playoff weekend thing. Um, yeah, that's it. Boy, wow. you with the, me with the vocabulary. We started another beer, but I just <laughs> no, want you to know that you. we are splitting all these beers, mm-hmm. so it's not like we've each had. Mm-mm. So we're drinking the Oktoberfest beer from the Brookville, Maryland Beer Farm right now, and it's very tasty. But Lovely. Yeah, we just split. A, it's a tiny little beer. Yeah. We're only having half the tiny beer. Yeah, and we don't have that much to go, so I'm sure this will be fine. And I'm almost <laughs> done with this anyway. So they, the, the cool thing, though, is they played at the O's Spring Training Stadium in Sarasota, Florida. So both of these girls women's events i guess we can call them all women right high schools high school students um are happening at places where professional baseball happens and you've said this since day one of the podcast that put it there and you're giving credibility that's right it legitimizes the 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 league the games the players for sure hey um new rules again again (laughs) i can't remember the old new rules so the old new rules have been highly successful Mm. The past, so the pitch clock has shortened games. The the new size of the bases, the the, the limit on the step offs, okay. the throwovers, and all of that has reduced the number of of minutes in a game. Also, has increased the action on the bases. The games have been more fun. They've been more action packed. All of that. So why not mess with it, right? Why not <laughs> screw with a good thing, Wait, right? What? We've had one year of a good thing, so let's let's mess with it. I thought I was the one who wasn't making sense. Well. <laughs> This is not me. This no, I'm just telling no. you about. Okay, so you're the messenger. So Don't shoot the messenger. The, the last CBA, mm-hmm. the last collective bargaining agreement, created a competition committee to review rules, right? And before they get implemented, weirdly, it's absolutely skewed towards 
the teams, and by teams, I don't mean the players, I mean the ownership and the front office. So the, the competition committee is made up of six team reps, five players, and one umpire. So the teams can really steamroll everything, but it looks like mm. there's input. So I'm not quite sure how it got in mm. that way. The current there's several rules under discussion, but the two that are of most interest, especially this one, there's a proposal by Major League Baseball to reduce the pitch clock time from 20 to 18 seconds when there's runners on base, right? Keeping the 15-second pitch clock when bases are empty. Players are questioning a couple of things. One is, hey, you just said how great this worked. Why are we changing it? But also... There's a concern that hasn't really been proven by statistics. It's still anecdotal. So I get that. But it's only been one year. So can we give us a minute? Mm -hmm. There's a concern about pitchers not having enough recovery time between pitches and causing more injuries Mm. to pitchers. So that's something that we need to pay attention to and find out if it's a real thing or not. We can't just brush it off and say, oh, nah, it's fine. Don't worry. Don't worry, your pretty little heads, (laughs) because they'll be fine. Wow. Minor league... Okay, so so the players who have said this I don't we can't eliminate all of this time for pitchers. One of their suggestions was maybe we can increase the time when there's nobody on. So to kind of balance out. So so the number of seconds that they have to and it turns out that minor leaguers have been using 14 seconds with nobody on and 18 seconds with players on for all of this past season. And then the AAA, the last month of the season, had a universal 17-second pitch clock. Yeah, I saw something. I should. I wish I remember where it was. That said that this means that MLB had this in mind all the time, but they didn't want to drop it on everybody last year. Like, they had this 18 seconds. They're, they have it in the minors, right? So they've been, they put it there for a reason. They, that's, they this was their goal. Sure. This was their goal, but they couldn't do it last year. I don't know. I, so, I'm still like, fucking two seconds, really? So Well, here's one of the things. As the season went on, right, there were fewer pitch clock violations, right? So everybody got used to the pitch yeah. clock. But also, pitchers learned how to work the pitch clock yeah. a little bit, right? So there's, been, there's yeah. been some pitch clock and I'm going to use air quotes here, manipulation <laughs> and game time, which had been like reduced by more than 20 minutes earlier in the season, started to creep back up. So it ended like the average time of games was like seven minutes longer at the end of the season than it hmm. was like earlier or midpoint as pitchers maybe tried some other, other, other strategies, right? To get yeah. a little bit of rest. That's being evaluated. They're also evaluating t- knocking down allowable mound visits from five to four, which hmm. is really a pretty easy thing because right now there's really only an average of two to three per game. Only 2% of the games last season had four or more wow. mound visits. So it's really pretty rare. So I think that's something they could do easily hmm. if they wanted to do that. In any case, this competition committee can implement new or updated rules with 45 days notice okay. to the MLBPA. So two comments. One is, it just made me realize, one person's manipulation is another person's strategizing. Oh, for sure. And then, for and sure. The, and then the other thing is, you know, if they're averaging two to three a game anyway without the rule, why change the rule? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't make sense to like, me. It's like, what are you afraid of? If it's not right. actually happening, what is the, what is the purpose? Right. Yep. All right. More rules. Just to, to Rules, glorious me. rules. 
make me struggle with my studies. All right, I'm going to go down to Venezuela for a minute. Wouldn't it? Well, I'm not so sure I want to go to Venezuela for a minute, but we're going to theoretically um, talking a little bit more about Ronald Acuna. We just mentioned him winning the MVP. And very, very soon after, the same day, he debuted with the Tiberones de Guaira against the Tigres de Aragua. So it, they literally had to move the start time of the game because it was interfering with when the, with the MV, announcement. With the announcement. Ah. So the start of the game got moved from 7 to 8 p.m. Venezuelan time. I don't know how that translates. But he played right after getting right after getting called MVP. I bet he was fired up. Uh, yeah, sh- shocker. He had a really good night. <laughs> yeah, he had a hit in his first at bat, followed by his cousin, Michael Garcia, who's on the Royals. Um, got a hit right after him, and then somebody batted them in. And then he got a home run later in that game. But the best part, actually, sexy defense, amazing sliding catching the outfield. Like one of those just sort of diving and then sliding kind of on your hip butt and catching. And I'm, I'm of course, doing your old, that. Your old hip butt slide. Home. Sure. I'm familiar. So he had himself a night, and he's <laughs> saying that this is – what gave him the year that he had last year with Major League Baseball. So as you know, he had an amazing fucking year, right? 40-70, first ever, um, MVP, all that stuff. And he played Venezuelan ball last winter that we talked about. He was slightly limited last winter that they said that he wouldn't be able to go play at the Serie del Caribe, which is the, the tournament of all the winter leagues, if his team had made it. And he got a little pissy about that. He complained, and go back to to last year's episodes, I know we were talking about this, that there was this limit on him. And then he was in um, one of the playoffs, so he would, you know, his team had a really good shot of making it there, and they were playing against Leones de Caracas at Caracas, and things got a little little heated because he had a home run, and he um, pimped it, right? He celebrated it. And and I remember talking about this last year that the funny thing about how it was reported is it was what he had learned in the United States <laughs> and that people had taken umbrage to. And of course, here we're like, oh, it's because they play this way in the winter, oh. winter league. Anyway, his family, like people threw shit at his family in the stands after he pimped the, the home run. And it caused him eventually, because of the whole thing, how it shook down, again, go back to last year to hear all the details, he quit. He quit mid game. <laughs> mid game. Yeah. And his and then his team didn't make the playoffs and they wouldn't have he wouldn't have gone to the Serie A anyway. But this year, Atlanta is not giving him M- any limits. And so he wants to go to the Serie del Caribe. He wants to take the Tiburones all the way. He's in there now. He's doing really well. Um, he has some some friends with him or people that we would recognize. I'll see his Escobar. Miguel Rojas, my baseball boyfriend from the Dodgers, and Oswaldo Cabrera of the Yankees. Uh, also, there's a lot of other guys playing right now in Venezuela, despite the, the situation there. So that's like boggles the mind. But Ildelmaro Vargas from the, the Nats is back with my Cardinales. Uh, unfortunately, also Edubo Herrera, so I'm not going to center on that. But... The Caribe Stan Swategi that I'll be excited to, to talk about again has the Estudio brothers back, both Williams and Wilfred. And Oswald Peraza, my baseball boyfriend from the Yankees, it always sounds weird, is playing with Caracas. Wilson Ramos Buffalo is playing with the Bravos de Margarita, the guy who got kidnapped there. Go figure. So stuff is happening um, in Venezuela and, you know, He's follow follow uh, Ronald Acuna and see what happens. I'm just doing a quick once over because I've said everything out of order, and 
he is, there we go, he's the first MVP, MLB MVP to play winter ball in his country since, actually not the very first, since Vladimir Guerrero, well, in Venezuela he is the first. But as if you're talking about a, a Hispanic player going back to his home country, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. did that after he got MVP with the Tigres de Licey in Lidam in 2004-2005 after he got his MVP with the Angels. So fun, winter ball, it's happening. Winter ball's happening. So MLB's been trying to grow the game by having actual in-season games that count for Major League Baseball right. in other countries, right? Uh, the, Paris was going to host a couple of these games in 2025. Mm. They've already had to cancel those games because they haven't been able to find a promoter to make wow. this work financially to have these games happen in oh. Paris. So they've already pulled that out. So this was negotiated as part of the collective bargaining agreement that you know various teams would go play internationally but have those games count towards the MLB season. The the Seoul games and the Mexico City games are still on for 2024. That hasn't changed. Okay. And the 2025 CBA still calls for an opening day game in Tokyo and wow. regular season games in Mexico City and San Juan, Puerto Rico. So there are all there are still other games to be played in cities around the world hmm. during the actual MLB season that count towards MLB season. Just not in Paris. The Aww. City of Lights is not going to host any baseball. Wow, that's a lot of notice. I guess they know their event planning. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you need to get the boots on the ground pretty yeah. pretty early for this this thing to work and they just haven't been able to do it or berets so berets on the ground, on the ground. Be on the people That's, yeah let's, <laughs> no, let's, I'm trying to think what yeah. French people wear on their feet I don't know shoes shoes okay go on to Atlanta what the hell Sorry. Atlanta <laughs> so you may remember that in 2021 Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star game from Atlanta because and gave it to Denver at the last minute mm-hmm. because of the Election Integrity Act of 2021, which was super restrictive voting law in the state of Georgia. That law has come under a lot of like judicial review. It's been you know cases have been heard about various parts of this that make it really hard for people to vote. Mm-hmm. Super hard, unnecessarily hard for people to vote. Guess why? As certain people too. Just especially yeah. certain people to vote. Yes, absolutely. Very, very specific demographics are, are, mm-hmm. are you know, disenfranchised by this, this restrictive law. These challenges, most of these challenges have been upheld. So the law is not very different than it was in 2021 when Major League Baseball said, hey, this is bad. Ooh. We are not playing here. You guys are terrible. Get it together. Well, they haven't gotten it together. And yet, and wow. yet, MLB announced that that Atlanta gets to host the 2025 All-Star Game. And here's how Manfred describes it. And you oh will see God. immediately why MLB says, sure, we'll give it to you. He says, what's most important Okay, see disenfranchised voters above. What's most important is that the Atlanta Braves are a great organization. Truist Park and the Battery are gems in terms of the facilities, and Atlanta and Georgia have been a great market. Great markets for us for a very, very long 
time. Yeah, those capitalist people like that word market. Money talks. Money talks over Shit. disenfranchised voters. So, hey, Atlanta, congratulations to Major League Baseball completely say, oh, dollar signs versus democracy. Right. Not to mention a racist team that, I mean, this will probably be fucking chopping at the All-Star game. Sure like, they will. Holy Sure shit. they will. So that's exciting. I'm sorry to, to right. end that on a note. Well, you know, that just, I we don't have to worry about travel plans for the All-Star game for 2020. Not that one, but we're going to, we'll probably go to Philadelphia because oh, that one's coming up too. That's in 2026. Fun. Yeah. Okay. All right. Does our volunteer cred still roll over? I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. All right. right? I hope so. Yep. Me too. Hey, what's happening this week? Um, I, I'm going to put a package in the mail. I feel really, really you negligent. You haven't mailed that yet? <laughs> I have not. Oh, Brian, Brian won our, our, but he knows us well, and so he knows to expect this kind of quality from me. Um, but he is the winner of our Fantasy Baseball Boyfriend uh, League, Fantasy League, that carefully monitored by by you with, with being the commissional. And it's packaged up. And I've, I've got to say, I think there's one item there that actually might be worth something. I'm popping Ooh. in, and I'll tell all y'all so that you get a, boy, I did a Southernism there. I'm not Southern, you not even close, well, but gonna, I hang out with go some to the South soon, Right, so, there yeah. we go. Um, so that'll encourage you guys to to listen. There's, it's a lovely pi- prize package, but I'm popping in an Oakland A's cup that I got at the stadium Oh, that's so going to be that a collector's could be a item. Collector's item. No one's going to that stadium from right, here on out. Right, right. So there you go. So that's wow. going to happen in the mail tomorrow. And then I don't know. We're having Thanksgiving this week. Happy uh, Tofurky Day. <laughs> no, or, or, or Turkey Day, depending yeah. on how I celebrate my my house is turkey. But we're so we're having Thanksgiving at the home of vegetarians who welcome carnivores to actually bring their own turkey. So oh, that's amazing. How about that? So that's sort of like a you know whole. Um, Diversity and inclusion situation there <laughs> at, a, at, better a, than I. at a whole different level. That's okay. I still love you. And I will have Thanksgiving with you anytime, even if you don't if I have to leave the turkey at home. That's fine, too. Aww. We hope you all have a very lovely Thanksgiving. We just welcomed our intern home for the week. And and, and Patty Mount Jr., I'm guessing, will be will be home soon. So this, is all, this is all very exciting for, for all of us. We hope you have a lovely holiday weekend, too. We still have another week or so before we start talking about boyfriends. So please, if you have ideas for us about your team that you want, you know, the players you want us to consider, mm-hmm. you make your case. Make your case. Please find us on social media and tell us who we should pick. Absolutely. We welcome any sort of communication, as long as it's, you know, polite and all, at NCIB Podcast on that formerly known as Twitter X, which is what I see everywhere. Everywhere says X, formerly, formerly known, known as Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, and Facebook and Instagram are no crying in b-ball. If you want to keep our podcast afloat, we would appreciate any spare change you got at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash no crying in b-ball. And you can also let us know if you'd like to hear personal messages from us. And and definitely reach out. I just want a, a little bit of a shout out to our friend Chris. I just read your email right before recording. Lovely feedback. Super much appreciated. And I will be getting right back to you. Excellent. Hey, have you gotten your your booster shot yet out there? Please do. Please do. It's it's never too late. Get it done. Please send your game balls to Meredith. Fight the man. It's the right thing to do. And until next week, say good night, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. All right, never mind. I'm going to be fine. This is great. I am so convinced. I am absolutely convinced that you're going to be just fine. <sighs>